all-powerful God, your incarnate word commands our obedience and offers us true life. Make our ears attentive to the voice of your Son and make our hearts generous in answering his call that we may take up the cross with its trust in his promises. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in union with the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A woman in the town of Shuman recognized that Elisha was a prophet, truly a man of God. She and her husband showed Elisha hospitality, and God rewarded them for their generous kindness. A reading from the second book of Kings. One day, Elijah was passing through Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to have a meal. So whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for a meal. She said to her husband, Look, I am sure that this man who regularly passes our way is a holy man of God. Let us make a small roof chamber with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp so that he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day, when Elijah came there, he went up to the chamber and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, Well, what then may, may be done for this woman? Gehazi answered, Well, she has no son, and her husband is old. Elijah called her. When the servant had called her, she stood at the door. Elijah said, at this season, in due time, you shall embrace a son. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. St. Paul teaches us that by the grace of our baptism, we are dead to sin and alive for God in Jesus. What do you experience deep inside when we baptize someone at Mass? A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord.
The Lord be with you. Listen to this reading. It comes from the gospel according to Matthew. Yeshua said to his apostles, Whoever loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of righteousness. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple Truly, I tell you, that person will never lose their reward. The Gospel of the Lord. This is usually where the people who are Zooming masks get a cup of coffee. I, it's been interesting and... I don't even want to know who's wearing their pajamas right now. It's that's whatever. It's up to you. If you love your mother or your father more than me, you're not worthy of me. Oh, come on, Jesus. That's a little cold, huh? That's harsh. Everything we've ever been taught talks about respecting, obeying, honoring father and mother. Deacon Jack and Colette are in Somerset, honoring his mother, Palma. To honor your father and mother is really to take care of them when they're old and they can't take care of themselves. Jesus, are you serious about this if you if you honor your mother and father more than me, you're not worth it. What, just what are you trying to say? Through this pandemic season, I have been rereading Father Greg Boyle's works, uh, Tattoos on the Heart and Barking to the Choir. You might remember that Greg Boyle is a Jesuit priest 
who works with gang members in Los Angeles. And his book is so powerful. His books are so powerful. They talk about a God whose love is expansive, not exclusive. We were raised in a church that said that God was exclusive. God's love was conditional. You better be good, Jim, or God's not going to love you. But Greg Boyle speaks of a God whose love is unconditional, is open to everybody. In light of what I've been reading in Greg Boyle's books, I came to realize that what he was saying is that when we put Christ at the center of our lives, our relationships expand. We have an extended family of fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers. We recognize that we share with them the love of God. God loves us and God loves them. As Greg Boyle would write, there's no light that even stands between us. It's love. It's love that connects us. You know, wrestling with this text, and to be honest with you, Jacob, it pinned me. I, I oh, didn't know where I was going with this, but I was thinking about my own dad. Uh, my dad was Charlie Sr. And Charlie Sr., he was about five foot seven, and uh, he was really, he was a sharp dresser had a great sense of humor. He was an athlete. He loved kids. I was thinking about him, what words I would use to describe Charlie Sr., my dad. He was quintessentially avuncular. You might want to write that down. Quintessentially avuncular. He was what an uncle is supposed to be. Dad was a man of faith. Dad went to church every Sunday. I remember one of the things, the physical things I remember about my dad, he had a St. Joseph Sunday Missal. Do you remember the Sunday Missals? Do you remember them? And his Sunday Missal, it was obviously well used. You could see where his thumb held on to the pages. I can still see his St. Joseph Sunday Missal. One Sunday, I think I was a junior or a senior in high school, I woke up and I was feeling really lousy. And as my parents were getting ready to go to the 8 o'clock Sunday Mass at the church, I came out of my bedroom and I said, oh, I feel sick. I feel lousy. I don't think I can go to church today. When they determined that I really was sick, they decided that that one Sunday it would be okay for me not to go to Mass. Now, the difficulty with not going to Mass that particular Sunday, that Sunday afternoon, the Bishop McCourt Crimson Crushers, I went to Bishop McCourt, were playing some Catholic school from Altoona, 
uh, uh, the Bishop Guilfoyle Mud Rodders or something like that mm-hmm. in a basketball game. I see a couple marauders here with us today. And the whole school, everybody in school was excited about this game and you didn't want to miss it. Well, wouldn't you know? Mom and dad go to eight o'clock mass. I go back to bed. By the time they got home from mass, I was feeling better. And I said, gee, I really want to see that ball game. And mom and dad looked at me like, oh, you're not getting away with this, pal. So they, they, they laid down the law. They said, okay, Charlie, you can go to that game. But then tonight, you have to go to the 6.30 evening mass at St. Columba. You're not going to have a Sunday without mass. Well, as you can well imagine, since I am telling you this story, McCourt beat Guilfoyle and... <laughs> It was a fun game to watch. And uh, when I got home from the game, I wasn't feeling well again. (laughs) I don't think I can go to mass. And Charlie and Ann both said, oh, yes, you can. So my dad, who had already been at the 8 o'clock mass, he went with me to the 6.30 mass at St. Columba. He went twice. God was important to Charlie, senior. He wanted his kid to be faithful. So I went to the Mass, and St. Columba Church had this huge mural in the front in the sanctuary. It was a mural that depicted the struggles of of the unions in, in Johnstown around the time of the First World War. And I can remember through the mass, I got queasier and queasier. And all of a sudden, the colors in the mural started to run together. I wondered, how could a priest preach that long? Oh, for goodness sake, I was getting sicker and sicker. And I finally said to my dad, I got to go home. I feel lousy. And he took me home. I tell you this story because when I think about my dad, when I, when I think about my quintessentially avuncular dad, I think about someone who loved God and wanted his son to have that love in his heart too. That's what that story means to me. I've gotten into the habit although you know I'm sort of allergic to technology, I've gotten into the habit of, of getting into the, uh, uh, the internet and reading the Johnstown newspaper, the Tribune Democrat, and as I've taught the staff here that I do that because I want to see who died in the paper. That's what we say in Johnstown. I want to see who died in the paper. And I also read the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette to read up about, well, my favorite college football team that happens to be in Pittsburgh and uh, a boo hiss to you too. Anyway, there was an article 
in the Post-Gazette one day last week that tore my heart apart. A little three-year-old girl. Her name was Bella Sechrist. Died in the emergency room at St. Margaret's Hospital in Pittsburgh. She died from injuries that she received by the abuse from her father, her stepmother, and her aunt. They showed a picture of Bella. She was a beautiful little girl. And the story of her death, the story of her murder, was too much for me to bear. My friend Mary Barkheimer is the chief nursing officer at St. Margaret's, and I called her and I talked to her about this horrible situation. And Mary acknowledged that when they brought that little girl to their hospital emergency room, she decided that it would be better for her not to deal with the parents. Instead, what she did, she mustered up the resources for her staff so that the staff of this hospital could deal with this horrible death. Bella's abuse and Bella's murder made me angry. And in my rage, I started to hate her father and her stepmother and her aunt who were responsible for her death. But then I remembered what I had read in Father Greg Boyle's book, Barkin' to the Choir. He writes that we have no right to judge anybody else. We don't know the terrors that they've experienced in their life. I'm not saying that anything that these parents experienced excused what they did to little Bella. I just know that because I don't know what they had gone through, I can't judge or condemn them. I condemn what they did, but not them. I think the kind of faith that puts Christ at the center enables us not to judge. The faith that puts Christ at the center of our lives enables us to be expansive and not conditional in the love we have for others. can't hate those people. I hate what they did. But there's no room for judgment in my heart if my heart is filled with Jesus. If you love your mother or father or your son or your daughter or your brother or sister more than you love me. You're not worthy of me. But if your love for me is at the center of your lives, you have the promise of fullness of life. Thanks for listening to this week's service. To stay up to date on the latest news involving our parish, please visit our website 
at goodshepherd-sc.org.